0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business. Now, here's your host.
1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of GWBC Open for Business, and this will be a good one. Today we have with us Karen Hertz, and she is with Holiday Brewing Company. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Holiday Brewing Company. How are you serving folks?
0: Yeah, sure. So Holiday Brewing Company is one of the country's only dedicated gluten-free breweries. Um, we are located in Golden, Colorado, and really the history of the brewery started uh, with a combination of my education and my work experience and my personal life. I had an MBA in entrepreneurial studies from University of Colorado at Denver, and I was working in the beer industry. I worked at Miller Coors here in Golden, Colorado, and primarily worked on distribution, getting Coors beer and Miller beer from Golden to distributors throughout the central region of the United States. And then I ran into some health issues. In 2007, I was diagnosed with melanoma. And in 2008, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and an autoimmune thyroid disease. So two-time cancer diagnosis, uh, an autoimmune disease, and doctors had told me I needed to be gluten-free. And I was working in the beer industry and had this degree and tried the gluten-free beers that were out there and didn't feel like they were the quality of great craft beer that I know Colorado getting used to, and I know In Atlanta and all across the U.S., other people are really growing this craft beer culture, and there wasn't great gluten-free options. And so I put all of that together and opened this brewery in February of 2016. And when we opened, it was really just myself and a brewer, and we were open three days a week, and we had three beers on tap. And by the end of year one, we had 10 beers on tap and two beers in distribution. And it's grown a ton since then.
1: So now talk a little bit about what uh, it takes to make a beer gluten-free, because that seems like kind of hard to wrap my head around.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So in in most beer and all beer, really the recipe is grain, water, yeast, and hops. And that's really, you know, majority of what goes into every beer. So Water is gluten-free, hops are gluten-free. Yeast, we can source relatively easily gluten-free, but the, the challenge in beer is the grain. So most beer utilizes wheat or barley and both of those grains have gluten in them. So rather than utilizing those grains, I had to find alternative grains that still made great craft beer and ultimately found a company that's here in Colorado and we purchase millet and buckwheat from them so we purchase grains that are gluten-free from the beginning and utilize those in our beers and that's how we do it
1: and then how do, how long did it take to kind of tweak the recipe to get the right combination to get the flavor you were looking for
0: yeah that's a, a great question it took i really started you know when i was working in the beer industry i was primarily working in distribution i wasn't a brewer and my goal wasn't to be the head brewer forever, um, but I did start home brewing to learn about the process and ingredient options. There's not a ton of gluten-free brewing ingredient options out there, and the, and the ones that were being used weren't coming out with great flavors, so there was a lot of experimentation, I would say, about a year and a half, and one of the lucky, I don't know, serendipitous things that happened was I was looking for a brewer. That would help and i didn't know who would brew gluten-free beer at the time this was about five years ago really six years ago and it wasn't really a thing yet and it may not be in a lot of places even still so getting a brewer with a lot of experience that was willing to help me was key and i, and I ran into he just happened to be looking for a job and i was looking for a brewer but a 25 year veteran that has brewed tons of award-winning beers and for big breweries across the U.S. like Bell's uh, in Michigan, which is a real famous one, and some bigger breweries here. And he was willing to help me out and really elevate the quality and the level of beer from the very beginning that we were putting out.
1: And then when did you kind of have some clues that, hey, this could be something there? I know there's a big audience for Gluten Free. We just have to, you know, kind of find them and let them find us.
0: Yeah. In the beginning, I, I wasn't totally sure. I just felt like there had to be other people out there like me that go to a tailgate party and want to have a beer or a baseball game and want to have a beer. It's just tied to some of those occasions. And so I started out just real slow. And ultimately, the taproom alone grew a ton. Uh, We started self-distributing. I literally was in my car knocking on liquor store and restaurant doors and delivering the beer in I say in my mom car I, I would fill it up and take it to these places and it really did start taking off and growing here locally and ultimately I mean every day we get asked via social media when are you coming here when are you coming here right now we distribute throughout Colorado and throughout Arizona but are looking to expand and we have that demand I mean internationally through our social media, our website, so I do think there's a ton of opportunities still out there for us.
1: And then now, what are some of the challenges that you're finding? Is has the pandemic? I would imagine if is your is your business also a, you know a, kind of a bar where people go and hang out and drink, or is it all di- you know you're distributing everything?
0: Yeah, so it's a combination of both. We have it's almost two sides of it. We still have this tap room where we that was all we started and all we had. And then we have a distribution side also, and both have been impacted by the pandemic. Obviously, on the the tap room side, we have restrictions here on what we can and can't do. Right now, in the level red uh, that we are in in Colorado, people can sit outside. So we have a lot of outdoor seating that's spread out, and our parking lot can be used. So people even come and tailgate in the parking lot. Um, and we can do beer to go. Earlier this year when things were shut down even to a higher level, it was only beer to go for us. But we held pretty strong. Luckily, we have this, this niche that they don't really have a lot of other options or places to go. If you want a IPA in Denver, Colorado, you have 300 plus breweries to choose from. If you want a gluten-free IPA in anywhere in Colorado, you've got one. And so I really think that has helped us survive some of these harder times. As far as our distribution, we do distribute throughout all of Colorado, all of Arizona, and having all those restaurants be shut down has impacted our sales and our growth. We also are in stadiums here in Colorado. We're in Mile High Stadium, which is the, in the Broncos and the Rockies, course Field, the University of Colorado, all of their sports facilities. So having those shut down hurts our growth and our volume for sure. It just having those things be shut down, at, you, you don't realize the reach of how many businesses are impacted. And uh, we're definitely one of those.
1: Now, when you're kind of managing all of this disruption, I mean, it's hard enough to start a business by itself just in good times. And right. then you layer Absolutely. this on top of it, um, which adds, you know, kind of magnifies it by a thousand, the, the degree of difficulty. How do you kind of keep your team going and, and motivate them to kind of, okay, we can do this. We're, you know, we can keep adjusting and we'll keep tweaking and we'll st- keep, you know, hanging in there because, you know, there's going to be, and there's a light at the end of this tunnel. I mean, I feel like we're getting closer and closer by the day.
0: I hope, I so hope you're right. Uh, we've done a couple things. One thing that I have done and really just it, the very first shutdown, when really things were No one knew what was going on right away. We put together a leadership meeting uh, that we do the very first thing in the morning, except for today, you beat the leadership meeting today. This is an early one, but at 8 AM on Mondays and Wednesdays. And I pull my leadership team together every single week, those two days, just to make sure we are communicating with all departments and on all fronts and really addressing any questions, maybe staff, you know, goes to one of my leaders and not another. And we can address just questions together, how we want to communicate as a team. And I think that's been really effective for us. Um, As far as moving forward, I have a board that's really supportive of us and a leadership team that's really hungry to win and grow. And we decided from the beginning that this wasn't going to be a time for us to sit back and just sort of survive. We really wanted to take some action in building volume on our own if, if distributors you know are hesitant to take on new brands right now and understandably so or we're losing some volume in stadiums we decided well then let's figure out a way to make some own volume on our own and so we put together really a set of about five different projects and divided and conquered and, and it was everything from let's make kegs available for sale in our tap rooms, so if people wanted to put a keg, you know, in their home on a, on a kegerator. Let's figure out how to do that all the way to let's come out with two new styles of beer in distribution and having just written down goals that we were focused on rather than just being sad about and frustrated about what's going on around us. What are some things we can control and move forward and build our own volume with? And I think that's helped motivate the team to stay focused.
1: Right. You're controlling what you can control. And when uh, exactly. you can move forward with that every day, there's nothing stopping you from that. Um, so that's kudos to you for that attitude and that uh, inspiration for your team.
0: Thanks.
1: Now, um, how has the adjustment been for you when it came from out? you were working for these large companies that are, you know, kind of Show up and win. I mean, I'm sure at the beginning it wasn't like that uh, for all of them, but they're at a size where they show up and they're there and like it's a choice. No one's going to get fired over to put cores in, (laughs) you know, but they take a shot with you and then someone could get in trouble. So um, how have you handled that kind of adjustment from going more from a corporate environment to this more scrappy entrepreneurial environment. Has that been difficult for you? Because it's a different, I would imagine mindset.
0: Yeah. Wrapping your head around it is crazy. When I first wrote my business plan and I showed it to a friend that was working with me at Coors and, and I was working at the warehouse at Coors that I was working with, we shipped 150 trucks of beer a day out of this warehouse a day, every single day. And I Gave my friend this business plan. He, he was a buddy at Coors and he read it. He said, you know, Karen, it's great. He said, but you do realize you're going to ship a truck in the first year. <laughs> and <laughs> wrapping that amount of volume of 150 trucks a day to one truck in the whole year, um, it was a little bit defeating um, and deflating. But it kind of to like what to what you said, I, w- I just I had to start somewhere. And um, we still are so much smaller than Coors. And I have to remind myself all the time of that. I mean, you know, marketing budgets that are a hundred times more than what we make a year is it can get frustrating. Um, and it's, it's, it's easy to get frustrated because really the distributors and the retails and all the marketing is behind those bigger brands. It's behind Miller Coors. It's behind Anheuser-Busch. And I know that. I know that part of the game. Uh, So I just try to utilize that to my advantage. They don't have a gluten free beer. Um, So let's go in as the, you know, this, we're the choice for Colorado for gluten free beer, period. Let's just act like we're the big boy for gluten free beer. And I think it helps me think bigger and, and set bigger goals. I mean, I see where it can go and how it operates at that size. So it's a little bit of fake it till you make it uh and i think i've learned a lot from them i don't have anything against those guys i i've learned a lot and it's it's sort of like a goal that's out there we can be big we can operate in that way but we've got to start out this way as a little guy
1: right and it's also that you're more nimble i mean i guarantee you they can't crank out two new flavors in a month like you did like you know how many layers of approval they'd have to get just to even talk about it
0: That's very true. And it's, and I think, you know, even with the pandemic that's been an asset to us is all right, let's, then let's switch it. Um, I kind of, one of my, one of my theories as an entrepreneur is I always say, ready, fire, aim. (laughs) And we might fire the wrong way, but we can make some quick adjustments um, where a lot of people are just aiming forever and either they never fire or it just takes forever to do it. And I think that's, you know, part of those bigger corporations is they want to, but they just got to, turn the whole ship where we can do it a heck, you know, a heck of a lot quicker. Um, and so I like that piece of entrepreneurship and being a smaller brewery.
1: Right. I think the nimbleness, that's a, that's a um, kind of an advantage that you can move in a, in a day where they can't, it's just impossible yeah. for them to move fast. And that that's just built into the process. That's the ramification of being so large. There's so many layers of decision-making. They can't, physically move that quickly it's just too much bureaucracy um now for you as a woman-owned business in this industry i don't know this industry very well but is this a male-dominated industry
0: oh yeah there's about studies are finding about 29 percent of people employed within the industry are female but as far as owners it's only about four so 4% women-owned. Wow.
1: That's a short practice. list you're on. Short list. <laughs> it's a short <laughs> list.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Now, why was it important for you to become a certified women-owned business and not just kind of battle out there on your own uh, without that certification?
0: Yeah, um, there's there really were a couple of reasons for me. One in particular is with us growing this distribution and wanting to get into some of these bigger accounts, whether it's um, stadiums. Airports, big box retailers, and chains—all those companies have diversity and women-owned supplier requirements. And I knew that, and thought, why can't you know we can kill two birds with one stone? Which is, I I get access to some of those accounts that maybe I wouldn't otherwise, and they get to utilize Holidayly as you know a check a checkbox for one of those some of those requirements and in diversity and women-owned businesses. So I knew there was some opportunity there and wanted to do it for that. I also, I want to network with other women, whether they're suppliers um, and even recruiting where, you know, we want to grow and we want to grow throughout the country. And this is a network of women that are everywhere. And I felt like that was a great opportunity for Holla Daily as well.
1: Now, because you are in this niche of um, gluten-free, are you networking with other gluten-free providers of other kind of uh, foods?
0: Yeah, so we do a lot of partnerships with other gluten-free food suppliers, whether it's in Whole Foods and we do a display of, you know, their product and our product on the floor. We do giveaways in our tap room. We do social media giveaways often with different gluten-free food suppliers so yeah, we're out there looking for other gluten free companies
1: that we think would pair great with beer. Yeah, I I would imagine that this is a blast for you. I know you've been through a lot, and this is challenging. I don't want to say it's hard, but this is you're got, yeah. kind of going for untapped market here, and you're doing something unique, and it's aligned with what you've done. and And in hindsight, it's going to look like this all made sense because of your <laughs> the, what you've been through. Yeah, but,
0: that's true. It does feel like I said earlier, serendipitous, there's just some things around this that it's sort of things have fallen into place. And so I, I really lean on that during, especially times like a pandemic when man, it's tough out there right now, but it just, I it's almost, it feels very much meant to be.
1: Well, a lot of great businesses have started during the worst of time. So um, this is an opportunity for some folks.
0: I agree. And I think, having that attitude of looking at opportunities rather than just being living in fear and trying to survive is hopefully an advantage in the long run for us.
1: So now what are you uh, most looking forward to as we get into uh, next year? Have you started forecasting or is that even possible?
0: Yeah, it's, it's difficult, but um, we have, i Ultimately, um, my ultimate goal with this brand is to be the obvious choice for gluten free beer across the country. And so we have built a facility last year in order to let us grow regionally quite a bit. And so for me, I'm really just hoping that markets open up and um, distributors are willing to take on some new brands, which allows us access to other states even around us. And I, I can't wait to have our bar open again. I mean, right now it's sort of like a fishbowl. We got plastic, you know, around the, the bar and no one can sit at the bar and everyone's outside and I'm ready to take all that down and just hug all my customers and get the band back together again. And I'm really hoping that's the direction we're headed in the next year.
1: Yeah, I um, I hope you're right in that. I think that we are going that way. And, you know, humans are social creatures. We have to be around other people. All this virtual, it, it works, it's efficient, but it's not the same. And I think there's a lot of pent up demand for that human to human interaction. And, um, and as soon as this thing breaks open, it's going to be kind of game on again for you guys. I hope
0: so. You'll have to fly out to Denver and come out to Golden and have a beer with me. That
1: sounds like a plan. <laughs> now, if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team or get to know Holidayly, um where can we find you? What's a website and maybe some social media coordinates?
0: Yeah, so our website is uh, com, and it's h-o-l-i-d-a-i-l-y Just a quick side note, I named it that um with the idea of making every day a holiday, just making the most of life. We never know what's going to happen. And, um, and that just helps people remember it too. We get called holiday all the time, but it's actually holidayly. Like make the most of every day or every day is a holiday. Uh, Info at holidaylybrewing.com is a great place to reach out to me uh, or any of our staff. They can get that email to anybody. Um, And then we're at holidaylybrew on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
1: Good stuff. Well, Karen, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing amazing work and we're proud of you and we appreciate you.
0: Thanks so much, Lee. I appreciate you and everything that GWBC does.
1: All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on GWBC Open for Business.